This is a message for all citizens here. I am Colonel Pang Hercury of the Earth Sphere Federation Forces Information Operations Center. My comrades and I have taken control of this station. We are now in control of the garrison forces, the life support system, the linear trains, and the solar power generation system. We have but one objective. We want to inform the world of the brutality of the Allies, the Federation government's autonomous peacekeeping force, so the public can decide whether they are truly in the right. Are you aware that under the guise of eliminating anti-government forces, they have massacred millions of people in cold blood? Do you know how many innocent people have been killed in their bid to reorganize the Middle East? It's all true. You have been handed a false peace by the Federation's information control, and without even knowing it, you have all been living in a dictatorship. While we are disclosing these facts to the world, I'm afraid that your lives will be in our hands. Go ahead and despise me if you wish. But let me make something perfectly clear. As soldiers, we're sworn to protect the interests of the Federation citizens. And that is why correcting the mistakes of a misguided government and military is also the sworn duty of a soldier. Hello and welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode Gundam Seed podcast that's given Double O a try. My name is Jeremy. Nuclear launch detected. I'm Tyler. Oh, God damn. You and your freaking ghosts, man. My name is Zach. Uh, So I don't want to bury the lead here. What do we think the odds are on a third Death Star in Gundam Double O? Pretty high. I think it's going to be a different Death Star. I don't think it's going to be yet another Memento Mori. Hmm. No, I think there's going to be a third one of some description but i don't think it's going to be another satellite laser yeah well okay hey it might be a satellite laser it won't be in low orbital station laser like the what it might be a satellite though literally just a satellite (laughs) or i think it's going to be like a death star type of like battleship situation what if it's a death volcano we lost a lot of isn't that just a volcano okay (laughs) but that it it fires into space that's the difference um I feel like we've lost a lot of evil villains having volcano-based weaponry and layers. And well, that's because everybody knows living in a volcano would be a pain in the ass. And like, some... you know how much you'd have to pay for air conditioning? Well, on the other hand, it really keeps you motivated. Kind of lights a fire under your ass. So, Gundam Double O. We have Setsna. He's off trying to regroup with the other fuckboys and their mom. He got shot recently. He also got stitched up recently. I was going to say he also had a shot recently. I'm not telling you what variety. Rabies. <laughs> rabies that, that, tequila. Was in the, that was in the shot. Just just concentrated tequila. <laughs> that would explain They just the told grimace. all the Gundam pilots it was morphine. Tiaria and Aleluya just got their ass kicked. Lockheed tried to carry them. His team was too heavy. Luckily, the coup d'etat faction did a coup d'etat and took over a, a tower. And so all of the a-holes had to leave to deal with that. Uh, the leader of the coup d'etat faction is Sergei Smirnov's old friend, Pang Hercury. <laughs> an amazing name by the way such a dumb name i wonder if that's actually like a russian name no i tried to look at it literally there is nothing re- mentioning anything named hercury except this show 
I will actually say that that's what the uh, Romans should have called their knockoff gods. Oh, Mercury came second. Shit. Yeah, anyway. it was Hermes, and then they renamed him to Mercury. Mercury. Did I forget anything? Let's see. Oh, Soma Mr. Bushido. Marie Parfacy. Yeah, uh, Marie Parfacy. She's with the fuckboy. She was going to do a thing, but then the coup d'etat happened, and she wasn't allowed to anymore. Saji Crossroad. He's just hanging out, being like, Louise. Uh, Louise, she's being sexist by Andre. My headcanon for after the series ends is that Marie opens up like a little uh, cafe called Parfacy's Parfaits. I'm not sure Marie knows how to cook. She packs their lunches. That doesn't mean she knows how to cook. <laughs> I mean, after all, that's why they needed to add a new returner, because she can all, she can drive the ship and cook dinner. <laughs> and do anything else you need her to, because have you seen how amazing this totally normal human being is? It slices, it dices. <laughs> I, uh, there's Ian. He's doing repairs. He does machines. There's Melena. Yep, Who's she also great. does machines. She's there. She's taking a nap right now. I guess she woke up, because the alarm went off. There's... Uh, why am I drawing a blank on your name? I love Cotty Monikin. Yeah. She was like, oh no, we have to deal with this coup d'etat. It's a good thing I put my boyfriend in this ship for luck. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, you got to remember to mention her himbo, Patrick Collisar. Yes. Uh, who was like, hey, Andre, I can help you. The first key is to respect women, actually. <laughs> you wouldn't expect that coming from me, but it really worked out for me in the long run. <laughs> that would be really funny if that was like actually the first bit of advice he gave Andre for something like that. You have to actually show her respect and stop being sexist at her. Then she may listen to you. Maybe try a bunch of flowers and irrationally earned or unearned confidence. It works for me. <laughs> hey, every bit of his confidence is earned. He was undefeated in so many simulator battles, and have you seen how many times he survived being shot down by a Gundam? Yeah, Patrick Collisar is just riding. I would actually find it really funny if it, uh, like, because I think uh, Joan Dark, that's her name, right? Joan Dark? Joanna. Oh, I'm sorry, Joanna Arc. No, it's Joanna Dark. Yeah, I, I know, but yeah, it's, it's Joan Arc. Anyway, um, if she, like, because she had a perfect record in training, right, and then she got into it and she just fucked up as much as Kalsar does, <laughs> it would be uh, really funny. If you're me at 14 playing the game. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else we got to talk about? I think I actually did an okay job. They, the coup d'etat is taking over the space elevator. I thought I said that, but maybe I didn't. No, you just mentioned the coup d'etat faction. Okay, they um, took over a space elevator. Oh, they were like, hey, Catherine, watch us. We like it when you watch. All right, so we are going to watch episode 16 of part two of Gundam 00, episode 41 overall, prelude to tragedy. We only have nine episodes of this left. Yeah. I'm like, I, it wow. feels like it should be wrapping up though, so I am well, actually kind of surprised it's not shorter. This is the reveal of the second space laser, so. Where was Gundam Seed in 41? I feel like we were in orb hanging out. Like we hadn't gone back to space yet, I think. Yeah, had orb burned. I think it was burning. I think Kagali's dad was still alive. So that was Trembling World. That was, a, according to this here, the Archangel and the Kusanagi launched into space and are setting course for the abandoned colonies in the L4 cluster. So, I think so you're it was like right after. Yep. So it's right after Kagali's dad dies. Yep. Mm-hmm. So further than I thought. Wow. Right after the origin of Ghost Dad. <laughs> <laughs> So we start out with Hercury giving a message to all the civilians in the tower, making sure they all know his name. And, and basically in going into detail about how all the A-laws suck and why they've taken command of the station and why they're holding everybody hostage. 
I do like that we get a bunch of shots of civilians, some of which look very concerned, and some of which are just like looking at their watches or yeah. phones, being like, <laughs> Yeah, another day, another coup d'etat where I am a captive. Remember that one time that we were in well, a container most, that was falling towards Earth? And most some of these people us? here look confused. Yeah. Then they get the people on the uh, on the escalator who like like this woman looks concerned because she's and she's got her phone. But then the guy next to her looks like he's just checking his watch. Yeah. Like, oh come on, I gotta yeah. get home. But she looks concerned to me like she's gonna miss her flight because of this. Yeah, it, it looked like she was calling someone to be like, hey, I'm gonna be late. Um. I'm in a coup d'etat. You know how it happens. And she's like, this is the second time this week, Joan. <laughs> you can't keep using this excuse. Traffic was terrible. The space station got taken over. <laughs> this guy's like, wait, I just read it on Twitter. Is this happening? <laughs> uh, that guy to me, because it's like over Mercury saying, hey, the a-holes are in fact assholes. I feel like he's like, oh, did you guys know this? I didn't know this. <laughs> like all of these, all, all the people in that shot look legitimately concerned about what is going to happen. They have people pointing guns at them, though. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm a little bit concerned about the fact that the uh, the coors are just pointing live weapons They're, they're not at actually, them. if you look at that shot again, they're not actually pointing guns at them. Oh, okay. You're right. I'm sorry. I did not see that guy. So Hercury is like, anyway, you will be my guests here while I tell the world all of these facts. Man, you are remarkably naive about this, Mr. Hercury. Sorry, Colonel Hercury. To be fair, it seems difficult to kill 60,000 people. And also, like, it's not it, that hard. And also, like, it would have to bring down one third of the world's energy to do it. He, not, they wouldn't have to bring down one third of the un, of the world's energy. Just dump a few more of those killbots in there. Well, I mean, as we'll see, that is what they try. They don't actually go whole hog on it. They could easily have deployed more. Yeah, there's a good question of how many murder robots do the ales have? And then the trains are exposed. They could have just popped those off as they were going down. I mean, it seems very difficult to do that without collateral to the tower. Uh, so we get an opening sequence. Three episodes in, and I'm already like, oh, this opening. I do like the shot of Setsuna turning into the double O riser, but that's really, I think, the best shot this opening has. The rest of it's kind of generic, and we've seen it all before. So we cut to the Federation PR queen being like, we have gotten a claim of responsibility from the terrorists that took over the Africa Tower. In exchange for the safety of the hostages, they demand $1 billion. The dissolution of the assembly, the release of a bunch of people. I read about them in Time Magazine. And $100 billion. Meanwhile, at Casa de Smirnov. Yep, Sergei has taken his vacation, as Mercury requested, just hanging out in his house, sadly alone, as his son and daughter have left him. And he's like, man, the information control by these guys is too good. Mercury, you're not going to get anything done. Anyway, just let me flash back. Is this where he flashes back? No, he looks at the pictures on the mantle. He's got one of Andre playing football. (laughs) Of all things. (laughs) That famous Russian sport that a bunch of his wife and one of his daughter. And one of Yun Hercury. Well, it's Hercury, him, and his wife. Distinct from Yun Hercules. Sergei remembers when he was in school. I wish there were more I think they're on the same bench. Yeah, I wish there were more flashbacks to people in school. And I wish, like, we got Graham and Billy <laughs> flashing back to when they were in school together, like, slightly after Cujo had left. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm reasonably sure this is the same bench under the same tree. It looks like it, right? Or, like, Sheeran and Klaus in school. They also went to school where Atherin gave Kira a bird, just a different season. <laughs> but they're, they, they're also sitting on a bench under a tree? No, they just got these trees. They're just in the full uh, Sakura Blossom. So anyway, they philosophize about what military should do. 
And Hercules is like, militaries are great. They can be a deterrent, and then we won't have a war. But Holly, who is Sergei's dead wife, is like, but Cold Wars are bad. Is it just me or does her name feel super out of place for this particular chunk of space? So we have Sergei, Pang, and Holly. <laughs> if you include Andre in there as well as part of this whole deal, like, and, so, ho- and Holly. She had American parents. She's a transfer student. To Russian war school. This is American war school because everybody goes to war school in America. Yes, no, but they're tracks. in the Russian war uniform. So Sergei gets a call from his commander who told him to keep the Death Star secret. And he's like, sir, I have a secret mission for you. And he's like, secret mission? I'm reasonably sure he didn't actually have to salute him because he's not in uniform. But whatever. Sergei's very military. He is very professional. Cut to Andrew Goodman. I'm sorry, Robert Goodman. I'm sorry, Arthur Goodman. Who's like, hey, Billy's uncle. And Billy's uncle is like, oh, man, if the public found out there was a coup d'etat, it could definitely cause anti-government activity to spread. And if they found out this coup d'etat was justified, man, do you know how bad that would be? So anyway, go murder some civilians. And Arthur Goodman's like, yes, Did you say murder civilians? That's like my favorite thing to do. Cut to Chun-Li and Nana Trinity. Aboard the Trinity's ship. And Trinity's like, hey, what are the innovators doing, miss? And she's like, fuck if I know. And her brother is like, do you think the coup d'etat faction will change the world? And she's like, it could bring the end of everything. And her brother's like, what do you want? What's your motivation? Could you tell me? And she's like, if I had a mustache, I'd twirl it. Could you tell fucking anybody? Nana's like, I would also like to know, not because I'm going to betray you. Could you freaking decide on a goddamn motivation? Excuse me while I look up what is Chun-Li's motivation and then get disappointed that her name is not actually Chun-Li. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's going to give you something from Street Fighter. It's to bring M. Bison to justice because he murdered her father. That is true. On a Tuesday, So that she can get back to the... uh, In the movie. (laughs) uh, Very important business of being a young American girl or whatever. Yeah. Which one was... What was the name? Was he Balrog? No, I'm sorry. He's Vega. Balrog is the uh, guy with the claw. Okay. I knew they had the whole... Claws Balrog. Uh, obviously, M. Bison is Mike Tyson, and Vega is the evil dictator. But now he's M. Bison. M. Bison. Bison's actually really good. So Hercury is getting a report from his subordinate, where he's like, uh, sir, we're surrounded. And he's like, don't worry, just as planned. I'll take a potato chip. And where's Catheron? I mean, didn't you say Catheron, you didn't need to send anyone? Well, they said we don't need anything. Just watch what we do and decide if you want to join us. So I guess Catheron has decided to join them by sending mobile suits to the tower. And then he's like, all right, now all we got to do is see what Celestial Being is going to do. And Celestial Being is like, what the fuck are we going to do? We're having lunch. They're watching CNN. Doom scrolling. (laughs) And like, what are we going to do, Mom? Obviously, we're going to help them. And she's like, ah, but what about Veda? The innovators definitely should have noticed this was going to happen with Veda. And felt like, are you suggesting they let this happen on purpose? And Sumerak is like, yes, although it doesn't make any sense that they would try to attack us if they were doing this happen on purpose and then pull off. But. Except Ribbons is a dick. I could see Ribbons doing that. Yeah, the problem is what she is not accounting for is that Ribbons is a weird, erratic, unpredictable asshole. So. With a god complex. With a god complex. I was going to add narcissistic in there, but. (laughs) So they come to the conclusion we should do something. Something. So anyway, and let's Setsuna, go there. We need to go there because no matter what else, once Setsuna finds out about it, he's going to go straight there. <laughs> Four <laughs> out of five dentists agree. Yeah, Valena's like, Meowth, that's right. <laughs> she, she, uh, in the sub, at least, she's like, that's a fact. A rock fact. 
Uh, so like, oh, anyway, Ian, fix our weapons before we get there. And Ian's like, that was not a request, was it? <laughs> I feel like when he does this, he should immediately call to Mar- to Marie and uh, Saji and be like, all right, come on, Milena, you two, let's get this shit done. Hey, the- lock on, hallelujah, you ain't doing anything now. So the ALAs launched some mobile suits into space towards the tower with their cool murder automatons equipped. And we get a shot of the regular army, like, a regular armor, army captain basically being like, all right, no, leave it to them. It's their business. And Hercules like, don't intercept them. The world is watching. This was part of our plan to be attacked by murder automatons. Well, this actually does make a certain amount of sense. Yes, it does. For what his later part, the later part of the plan is. Do they have anyone filming this? They have a number of security cameras, right? I presume they do have somebody filming this, but there's also, you got to take into account the fact that the A-laws have such strong uh, control over the media. Veda is very good at deep fakes, as we're about to find out. And in fact, we see one of the murder automatons put a USB in, and I presume take all the data that they're recording, since these, all these images are going to get reused later. And they're like, we destroyed 43% of the automatons. Uh, that's more than we expected. Also, Catherine's approaching the pillar, and the Federation's just like letting them come in. That's not ominous. That makes me want, think that maybe Ribbons actually did intend for this from the beginning. I think he did intend for this whole thing to happen. I just feel like he could have murdered <laughs> Celestial Being and then and let all this happen. This, yeah. Well, I, I feel like he knew this was going to happen, and when they acted, they actually acted slightly ahead of schedule, which is what took them off guard. Yeah, I mean, which is why sense. it pulled them back because they didn't have all of the pieces in in play yet. And I guess they do need the innovators to go defend their Death Star in case Setsuna goes Super Saiyan and shoots a giant beam saber at it. Spoilers for next episode. (laughs) And uh, he gets a call that a machine has entered the pillar and is ascending towards them. And it's a Tieran Tautzi. Yep, painted blue in the new army colors. And he's like, ah, only Sergei Smirnov and his dead daughter have that. And his dead daughter is dead. (laughs) So escort him. He's my BFF. Well, I feel like it's more not so much a matter of, like, only he would have that so much as it's got to be Sergei sending me a message. Like, it's not a jinx or anything. It's specifically a Tieran. So cut to Sergei's commanding officer, Kim, on the phone with the ALOS, being like, when I'm transferred to the ALOS, I want to be made a general for sending Sergei on a secret mission. And they're like, that makes sense. We're just handling out generalships left and right. See you then. Well, this really seems to me more akin to now that I have sent one of our most trusted guys to die for this, because this screams, I'm not intending for you to come back. I don't know about that. Anyway, Kim is like, the ALOs are going to take over the military, and it's just a matter of time. So I just need to get ahead of the curve. Cut back to the ALOs aircraft carrier. They need a ship. They just like a slight design to it. They need something. Rikati Madakit is being told, stand by. And she's like, I have all of the ALOS forces here. What do you mean, stand by? Well, she clearly doesn't have all of them because we saw a few of them launching earlier. And she has everybody without a license. (laughs) (laughs) They've got to have more because we saw, like I said, a bunch of people launch from space. She might have most of the people who are on the ground in their 30 mobile suits. Uh, We get to the innovatorium on the aircraft carrier. (laughs) The innovators are hanging out being like, Man, big operation. Weird that they don't need us. What's going on with ribbons these days, anyway? That's weird. Anyway, I still want to avenge Bring Divine. He's like, no, Baka. And Hilling is like, we are all linked to Beta. We can read your thoughts. Please stop trying to tri- to act Sundari around us. It's annoying. How can I be stoic if you can read my mind? <laughs> you're going to be, well, I mean, I guess if you're being stoic, but people can read your mind, now you're just a dick. 
cut out to the outside where, again, Luis just keeps trying to hang out with Andre. And she's like, eventually it'll go fine. If I keep leaving whenever he's sexist at me, eventually he'll get it, right? Yeah, it's like training a dog <laughs> or a cat, right? So we'll just start seeing Louise come out on these outings with a spray bottle. I was thinking Louise said, or Andre says something uh, sexist and she says, no, bad Andre, screw So she's like, you know the leader of the coup d'etat faction? He's like, yeah, he's one of my father's closest friends. He practically helped to raise me. In fact, he's one of the reasons I joined the army, but now he's become a rebel. I don't so get it. Barricading himself with 60,000 hostages. And Luis is like, it doesn't matter why he wants to rebel. We have to crush him. And Andre's like, I know. To restore peace and order again. Peace through more murders than you. (laughs) Yeah, Luis subscribes to your theory on peace. Peace through superior firepower? Yeah. The Alaws love peace. They don't care how many men, women, and children they have to kill to get it. Yeah, it's just like John Cena said about Peacemaker. Well, you see, he loves peace enough to kill for it. So Andre remembers when Colonel Hercury put in a good word so he could get into the military academy because he and didn't want to ask his dad because he was in this rebellious teenage phase. And then he totally like acts like a dick towards Hercury in this conversation. Her- what it be for Hercury is like, so you joined the military to stick one to your dad? And Andre's you, like, I'm not an angsty teenager. I'm an angsty 20-something. You really shouldn't hold that much. Like, you shouldn't hate your dad nearly that much. You have no idea what happened. And he's like, my dad let my mom die. And you're the same. You were there. I joined the military to prove that I can be a soldier without letting my mom die. <laughs> and here Kira's like, there's a lot of angst in that teenager there. You think that would have made your mom happy? And he's like, yes, because she loved peace. Enough to kill for it. <laughs> How many other people's moms you plan on murdering there, Andre? No, I'm sexist. I will only murder people's dads. It says lukewarm actions will not bring about peace. And I mean, yes, if everybody else is dead, then yes, you have peace. You just have uninteresting world. Uh, no, Ribbons will, uh, you know, just stir some shit. He'll innovate. He's going to start that new reality show we talked about. <laughs> so Sergey comes up to Hercury. And before they can predator handshake, we don't get an eye catch. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us on this, the 16th episode of Season 2 of Gundam Double O. This one's another, like, pretty good slow burn tension buildy episode, and the next one is pretty dang good. So, hey, if you're, like, not watching along for some reason, maybe do the thing. Yeah, that's my only advice. Uh, anywho, yeah, no, I don't think I have anything in particular to announce this week. So instead, I'll give an infuriatingly vague plug about a project I'm working on, and that will be coming to Earholes near you soon. And you can expect I will shut up about it after it launches, so you have that to look forward to. <laughs> anywho, uh, yeah, no, I think that's it, I think that's it. Let's go listen to some political intrigue. And this is cruising right along, isn't it? Yeah, lots to do in this episode. And so he's like, I'm here as a messenger, and they basically said, fuck off. We will never submit to your demands. And he's like, I haven't made any demands yet. I I know that's still your message, but just in case you didn't know that, Sergey. Anyway, why do you bother coming to tell me that? Sergey basically says, you you can still surrender. Your message is never going to get anywhere. You, you don't know what these guys are going to do. And what? he's also like, why have you taken so many innocent people hostage? He's like, they're not innocent. They're complicit in the system. Where are the drugs? Yes. <laughs> we need responsible citizens. That this is. Do you want a uh, dictatorship? This is how you get a dictatorship. <laughs> We've got to open their eyes. 
and Sergei's like, hey, isn't the military supposed to protect people? And he's like, yes, this is exactly why I'm doing this, to protect them from themselves. Sergei's like, your men might live if you surrender. And despite Zach calling him naive, he's like, no, if I surrender, they will murder all of us. For sure. They will. The party's naive about is not understanding that the uh, A-laws would be more than happy to kill every civilian man, woman, and child in that tower to do the same thing. He's marking a line the A-laws aren't. So Hercury's like, take him away. But Sergei's like, hey, no, I didn't come here just because I was ordered. I decided let's be friends. Predator handshake. But again, before they can predator handshake, they are informed that the automatons have broken through. And are heading for the gravity block. So... Sergei looks like he's going to go try and get his mobile suit again, but Hercury's got a plan for this. And And some guys with guns. A lot of guys with guns. And this is also kind of the reveal that they never actually planned on hurting any of the civilians. So we see a bunch of the coup d'etat faction fighting against automatons, protecting civilians with riot shields. We see a civilian get shot, and I do really like this shot of a soldier dragging him to safety. I kind of wish it was not this obviously dead guy with an anime's (laughs) worth of blood falling out of him and said it was the woman next to him that fell when he was shot. That would have worked better for me. Yeah, yeah, or had it show him, like, not ditch the shield and and gun that he was holding and basically just use it to cover the woman as she as she got out of the way. But I do really like the shot regardless. Yeah. It, yes, it's I effective too. storytelling. I like her reaction specifically where she's just like, well, that was a thing that happened. Got to a hallway where more civilians are being murdered. And Hercule is like, ah, so they are murdering civilians. Well, he See, sounds, Sergei? He sounds kind of surprised that they programmed them to kill everything that they find. He's like, they don't normally kill white people. S- sort of surprised, but I read this as he was like, 60% chance they don't do this, but 40% chance they do do this. And he's like, ooh, they did do the, the thing I was hoping they wouldn't and thought was less likely. See, Sergey, this is what happens with a misguided military. And so their soldiers start messaging that they're putting the civilians on the trains to evacuate them. So At the we, Klaus's command plane, where his forces have joined up with the coup d'etat faction. And him and Sheeran are cruising around. And Klaus is like, maybe this will work and we can tell people about the A-laws. And Sheeran's like, hey, we're the ones rebelling against the status quo. They may not believe us just because we're right. Yeah, especially if they have something like uh, deep-faked footage of the massacre. Yeah, well, and the Federation is making an announcement. Veda is very good at deepfakes. It has a whole (laughs) bunch of images of the soldiers gutting down civilians, which we know is actually the automatons, but all the angry civilians don't. Although, if any of these people make it out, they can be like, oh, no, that that was a deepfake. Yes, which I think is actually Hercules' plan. Yep. Well, that that was always from, because what he's going over here right now is that they showed the civilians that the A-laws were willing to kill all of them, so they were going to release them instead so that they could get out and tell people, yeah, the A-laws are dicks. But he doesn't realize that the A-laws don't have the same line he does. Yeah, the A-laws are mega dicks. Well, I don't think it's a moral thing. I don't think he, he thinks they're capable of murdering all these people so quickly. I do think there is an element of morality. He doesn't realize that they are going to cross that line. So Hercury gets to watch the news about how he's a super terrorist. And it's a, it's a super weird shot because you can see they reversed the shot of the guys behind the shield. So there's just a couple of guys behind shields shooting at civilians, which I kind of shouldn't be laughing at, but it's such a ridiculous shot. Yeah. The Federation is a master of manipulation at using one of the oldest tricks in the book. Photoshop. Bigfoot. Real or Photoshop. <laughs> so Hercury is like, they can't silence 60,000 people, though. The truth will get out there eventually. You do remember that they are surrounding the tower. 
Well, yeah, but where are those trains exit? He's gambling that they're not going to, one, destroy the tower, and two, that there's probably camera footage on the ground of the tower. And we know the regular military is out there who are not yet in on this. So they would be like, hey, it's weird that the A-laws are just murdering a bunch of civilians. They presumably are not at a point where they're going to murder their own military. Plus, Catheron's there. And Sergei's like, still, I bet they have a plan for this. Cut to Setsuna in the post-credit uh, section of last episode. Just cruising. When Man, I'm glad I didn't catch it the first time around in the, uh, I didn't see the post-credit scene of seeing ah. this exact thing. Yeah, it's it's not great. A wild Graham appears. He uses Slash. Mr. Bushido. Uh, you're right. He's evolved. Graham Aker <laughs> was actually a cool character. Your Graham evolved into Mr. Bushido. Oh, no, I wanted an espion. <laughs> <laughs> you did, your friendship wasn't high enough. Uh, but my shout-in rivalry was too high. Exi- yeah, I was going to say your rivalry set was high enough, but... So Bushido does a trans-am. And Setsuna's like, I thought we could do that only. The- well, I mean, this is the first reveal that anybody other than the Celestial Being Gundams can use trans-am. It was super heavily hinted at, but yes. So Mr. Bushido stabs through Setsuna's GN field, sinks to trans-am power. And so right before like- he actually hits Setsuna, Setsuna trans-ams in response... And Mr. Bushido's like, ha-ha, this is what I wanted, a Kaioken fight. Okay, so why is Mr. Bushido bleeding all of a sudden? My only assumption is that while they figured out how to get the Trans Am to work, they don't really have the same compensation systems on board that the Gundams do, so it's actually placing an immense amount of strain. It's tall geesing him, basically. I also just realized that they have pseudo-solar reactors, and the particles those produce are harmful to humans. I wonder if he's getting irradiated. Uh, that could be. I will say that that's not gone over lately. While these particles are harmful, it has been implied that people in the cockpit are fine, right? You have to be exposed to them directly. Yeah, and but Trans Am is different. Yes. But it's also kind of implied that you have to have an open wound, basically, for them to do anything. Because that was the case with, uh, I guess, really the only one we've seen that has come into contact with those particles is Louise. Is Louise. Yeah. And so it, it's kind of a maybe, maybe not situation. My initial reading is that they just didn't like the pilot or they did not have enough compensation for the pilot. Yeah. Because we've seen that happen to Graham multiple times in a flag also. And we know that this was built to be like the flag. Can't you see the resemblance? Remember the two giant katanas the flag had? And the big that, fucking the helmet samurai thing. helmets. <laughs> Looks like a Beetleborg. So anyway, the Beetleborg and the double O riser <laughs> smash at each other a bunch. There's some very shonen yelling. It's very Dragon Ball Z. Mr. Bushio is like, I live only for combat. And Setsuno's like, I'm the same. He's like, but I need to change. The ghost of Lock On Pass told me. Also, I've had character development. And then Setsuna hears his name. And hey, Setsuna's friends are here. Setsuna's like, I've got friends? And they all immediately go for Trans Am. And Mr. Bushnir's like, oh, I wanted a 1v1. And now I'm out of Trans Am. Hey, young man, don't forget about me. Team Mr. Bushido is blasting (laughs) off again. And Setsuna's like, who is that crazy person? (laughs) God damn it. Why does he have a problem with me? So Lockham's like, hey, you're alive. And Setsuna's like, hey, guys. I'm going to pass out now, okay? The, the morphine's wearing off. <laughs> the, the I like how Setsuna passing out makes the Gundam fall. Well, it, oh. in, in this case, it kind of looks like it, he, yeah. he accidentally put the sticks forward. So as Setsuna's passing out, he remembers, again, the ghost of Lock-On Pass telling him to change. And he's like, I hear you, Lock-On. I, I totally just had a thought of like him saying that and it being picked up by his radio and, radio and Lock-On being like, <laughs> what did I say? 
I do love how absolutely exhausted Setsuna looks at the very uh, he end He looked there. beat to shit. Yeah, like <laughs> just the shading around his eyes is great. They do a really good job with the drama of his bullet wound throughout these episodes. Yeah, I, I like how they, it, it doesn't just vanish, because even in the next episode, it'll still make an appearance. Like, that is still going to be bothering him for good reason. Like, yes, they have this magical technology to heal it faster, but it's still there. So that's the end of this episode. Uh, we went through it very quick, but a lot does happen. It's, it uh, just flies through itself. Yeah, it's very fast-paced. Uh, which is weird because there's almost no action in it, right? Other than grab and sets it up be like, I guess we'll fight now. I guess civilians getting murdered is action of a sort. I think it's because it's it, it's a weird, slow episode. I mean, it, it's a it's slow like a episode build setting up, episode, up, right, for yeah. next week. But it's all like building that tension. It's winding the thing up. But wait, there's more. And this is my favorite post-credits uh, sequence in the series. In contrast to last week, my least favorite. Where Hercury is like, the army is lifting its siege. And Sergei's like, why would they do that? That doesn't make any sense. And Cotty's like, why would they do that? And then uh, is like, why would they do that? And I really love the like intercuts between Sumeragi and Cotty as like they're both clearly thinking along the same lines. And is like, hey, Felt. Could you bring up, like, the wind speed information? And she's like, yeah, I guess. Within 1,000 kilometers. So she brings it up, and then Billy's like, oh, no. That's a debris pattern that they were trying to avoid. Yep. And, yeah, we would get it from Cotty that they're preparing for falling debris specifically. Yeah, just Billy realizes it, which I actually kind of like. And Smirnov and Hooker are like, oh, shit. And Subaraki is like, that means they built a second fucking Death Star. Why didn't we think they might build a second Death Star? I do absolutely love this post credit scene because it sets the thing up for the next episode perfectly. And it's a much better cliffhanger than we were left on, which is a good cliffhanger, too. And Arthur Goodman is like, we are nearly fully charged. Prepare to shoot a Death Star. <laughs> I've I always wanted also, to do this. That, that might be one of the other reasons why the actual episode flies so fast. Is because this is, I think, also one of the longest post credit scenes we've gotten. It's definitely on the longer side, yeah. Yeah, and the final shot is just a short of the Death Star barrel. So, pretty good episode. Just one particularly nasty misstep in there. Yeah, Mr. Bushido, man. <laughs> I want to like him. I do. I don't, though. <laughs> do you have a high what? point, Tyler? Oh, man, there is a lot going on. I actually, I think my favorite part is just sets in his lines as he's passing out at the end of the episode of, I'll do it for you, Ghost of Lock-On's past. Uh, specifically, the line, I'll reform myself right here, is pretty dang good. It's very Persona 4. Yep. <laughs> it, that is the only purpose that that fight with Mr. Bushido really is contrast served, how they've changed. Is that Mr. Bushido kind of hasn't changed, whereas Setsuna is trying to change. Arguably, he's, he's changing the worse. worse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Zach, what's your high point? I think my high point might have to be, despite what I said about it, I think I really like when they start evacuating the civilians. You know, Hercury is like, all right, yeah, we figured that this is what they were going to do. So, all right, everybody start engaging the things and we'll get the people out. I think mine is going to be the post credit sequence, as odd as that sounds to say. I, like I said, I really love the cuts between Cotty and Cujo. And even and back to... Uh, Billy and Sergey, and yep. like how they're all figuring it out, and like, oh. Kind of putting all these characters back at the same level of intelligence and critical thinking, I guess. Yeah, it builds up everybody. Uh, it would have been great if Patrick Collazar was like, what the fuck does this mean? But <laughs> it's not I appropriate just him looking at the, the screen going, I don't get it. <laughs> not no, appropriate what would, for the scene, though. What would have been great 
is if Colossar took a look at it too and also got it. <laughs> like looked at it and, oh, that's Devil? really bad. Do you have a low point, Tyler? I think it's going to be the Chun-Li scene, although it's not terrible. It's just like, here's another spoiler about how we don't know what our motivations are. It's not even really a spoiler. A yeah, spoiler's not really a teaser, I guess. It's just like, another scene of, we don't know what her motives are. Ooh. Yeah, which like, okay, cool, but like, can you advance that at all, please? No. <laughs> Zach, do you have a low point? A wild Mr. Bushido has appeared. I don't Here's think your I random hate him encounter. as much as you guys. But. Well, my, my problem is more of like, obviously Graham was a really good character. We love Graham. Mr. B- Bushido doesn't have nearly the same kind of like, weight to him i like, feel like he just i don't doesn't know fit. why like if it if graham was just if it was just graham acting fairly similar to how mr bushido acts here it would be much better because we could then you know see like okay so he backslid on his character and his personality and whatnot but why is there also this layer of Mr. Bushido on top of that? It doesn't make any sense. What I think the problem with Mr. Bushido is, is as we said, this series is very sensitive focused, which is often to its credit. But it kind of sucks that Setsuna gets all the rivals. Yeah. And Mr. Bushido is, like, Graham Maker is by far the best rival in the first half. But Mr. Bushido is the odd man out in the second half. That's a good point. Well, because he has no other relationships with characters, really. Yeah, he's kind of got his old thing with Billy, and that kind of works, but they're not really playing off each other anymore. He doesn't have, and that's intentional, right? He's been driven to be a loner, but it's not played up that that's in contrast to Setsuna and Tiara growing out and being better friends now. Yeah. You know, it would be a real I, I feel up, like it would will. work. He, he'd be better off because there's a large portion of this series where he just doesn't really exist or do much of anything. If he was in as part of that collection of Andre, Louis, and Louise, like if it was Andre, Louise, and Mr. Bushido, because like Lu- Louise My has... My least favorite sitcom. <laughs> no, I think that would work. Because <laughs> Louise and Mr. Bushido have a lot in common with absolutely hating the Gundams. So if Andre there's is that the reflection... In the, in the trio? <laughs> and if there's that reflection, then you can get some character interaction out of that and maybe see kind of what has driven him to this, because... Last thing we know about Graham is he took on the Exia and won. And a weird thing about pairing Graham and Louise would be that the two people they are most attached to are in the same mobile suit at any given time. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Also, other dumb sitcom ideas. I just realized uh, with the survey, two and a half Gundams. Can't wait to get to that movie. (laughs) My low point is going to be the scene on the Ptolemaeus. We're like, hey, let's go do something. I guess we should. Not really a necessary scene. Kind of just feels true. like it's taking up time. Yeah. Giving people lines. Her, her logic was like, well, this is weird, and I, I can't imagine they didn't do this on purpose, but we have to go and like... All it really well, establishes is the weapons are going to get fixed, right? Yeah. And eventually, the logic of we need to go over here is because that's where we're going to be able to pick up Setsuna. But even if they just showed up to pick up Setsuna, that would not have been like, well, what's going on? Yeah, I, I wouldn't have been averse to it because it already had kind of painted that into their character anyway because of what Cataron had been talking about. Do you have an MVP, Tyler? Oh boy. I'm not really sure I do this episode. Let me let me check notes. Um I don't have an obvious MVP. I think it's another really balanced episode. I almost kind of want to give it to Sergey for trying to talk sense into uh Hercury. I but... think he is the character that stands out here. Do you do you want to make that final or do you want us to come back to you? No, I think I'm gonna give it to uh Sergey. I'm fast and loose with my MVP points. Zach? I'm torn between two. 
Who are you torn between? We can talk it out. Sergey and Hercury. And like Hercury's trying, right? Yes. That's that's the thing. Is like this whole thing is his plan. He's the one that set this up. It's if he wasn't dealing with a foe nearly as ruthless as a, as the A-Laws are, this actually wouldn't be that bad of a plan. Yeah, I said this before. I wish Hercury and some of Andre's backstory came earlier in the series. That said, I don't know where. Yeah. Like, it's not like, oh, they messed this up. I don't know where they had room before. But it would feel better if he had been around longer. But I think that's justified, Zach. You can give it to either one. I'm going to actually uh, suggest a runner-up of Murderbot 8 for getting that footage. <laughs> I think I'm going to give it to Hercury. I think if if I had to pick a slot, putting Hercury and giving Hercury and Andre some interactions at that party. Yeah. Yeah, that because would be a Because I, I feel like there's a couple of instances with like Wong Lumei and Billy that you can completely drop and replace with interactions between Andre and Hercury. Well, and that pacing is weird and kind of like spy movie-like anyway, so like some asides to some other characters would have totally fit. I think that's a good call. Because I think it's a very split episode, I think it's good we all go with different people, and I'm going to go with Kati Monikin, actually. I really like that end sequence. And she, Even though I really like the cuts between her and Sumeragi, I think she gets the best lines in the interaction. Well, I mean, it's not even just that, because she's also got the the scene where she's like, why won't you deploy my guys, too? And she kind of has, like, something's fishy about this. Yeah. So well, then, And then she figures out what. It's, oh, they're going to blow it up. All right. This is technically the final appearance of the Marasaro. So let's put it on our list. <laughs> it's fucking stupid. I agree. It's worse than the flag, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. But it's better than the Taros? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know that I agree with that. I, I don't know. I like its big beam katanas. I do, too. I was actually going to say, but its katanas but do get bigger, remember Zach. its head? I do. Yeah, and I don't hate that. It's it's super extra, but that reflects the character inside. And while I don't like that character, I do appreciate the consistent aesthetic. I actually, I I think we're already way, way, way lower, but I really wanted to compare it to uh, Ogre's custom Jinx. Oh, so much lower. But yeah, so much lower. If you want to talk about that for a minute. No, just like I think in terms of character design and philosophy, like they feel very similar to me. Because they both reflect the character inside them. Yeah. I think it's better than the Ahead, personally. I think I agree. Um, even if it is dumb. I like it more than the Enact. I don't know if I'm going to get traction on that. I like the Enact pretty well is part of the problem with that. I think I prefer the Enact to it. I think I actually like the Masaro better, though. In a, in a large portion, the Enact gets a lot of points because the Masaro is also attached to Mr. Bushido, a That's character fair, I yeah. absolutely fucking hate. Okay, what if it was piloted by a character with a better personality, like Riku from Build Divers? <laughs> <laughs> like Patrick Colossar. What if Patrick? What if the reason the Maraso never showed up again was that he gave it to Patrick Colossar and it blew up the moment Patrick turned <laughs> the ignition key? Huh. <laughs> I'm actually, okay, now imagine a way more gun-ho character in that, and it's Patrick Colasar just doing Bushido things. That's actually <laughs> way better. <laughs> that would be fun, because he would treat it like he was an ana- like a super robot protagonist. Exactly, yes. <laughs> you realize that you have just made me want, when I get home, to get Patrick Colasar and stick him in this thing, right? <laughs> that thing isn't in, oh, no, it is in uh, SD Generations Crossrace, huh? Yes. I was, I was thinking you were thinking Super Robot Wars V. No. Him and the other guy that are in that game, I do not Andre, believe... Andre is the other guy in that game. I thought it was... No, I think there's somebody else, too. There's oh, one man. other guy. But I don't think that they can be moved out of their... Jinxes? They're not in Jinxes. They're in something else. Oh. Which I think is in the movie, because I don't remember what it's called. 
Okay, final question. Is it better or worse than the golden mobile suit who that has a real name that I didn't change our thing the, to reflect? It's the actual, correct on the website, but yep. it's not correct on my... The doctor. actual mobile suit, not the soup terrain? Yeah. I think mm. the Masaru is less gaudy. It is less gaudy. And our problem with it is that's gaudy, so I think I like it more. I think I might agree with you on that count, especially because it is it does represent a raising of the stakes because he's got Trans Am now. Yeah, I think I agree, honestly. Um, also, the other thing's name is the Alvaron. You know, thinking about it, Trans Am for those solar, those, those solar, the pseudo solar, the pseudo solar reactors is a really bad idea. Like, it is, yes. Even worse, because they have to get their particles charged. They yep. don't na- naturally develop theirs. But that's a very Grammaker move. It is. I'm just saying, like, Sounds I Sounds reasonable, Zach. Too bad I'm an unreasonable Bushido man. <laughs> I, just, I just had a, that thought of, you know, Trans Am, really good for the Gundams because they can recharge their own particles. Putting it on this thing that can't? Ooh. Um, excuse me. Imagine well, doing that over the ocean. You run out of gas. Okay, let, let's go to CoStar Astrology. I wanted to look up the uh, traits of a Virgo. I don't think I agree with this in terms of gram-acreness. I thought you already did that at one point. I'm sure I did, but this is way funnier. I thought he looked up a Capricorn, which is what Billy was. I looked up that he was compatible with Capricorns. Um, Ruling planet Mercury, I do agree. He is mercurial, right? He's very flighty, bushy-doey. Needs to feel useful. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, it has a quick fix for everything. Yep, it's transform! Um, (laughs) Judgmental, but with good intentions. Yeah, I'm uh, not sure I agree out. with the judgment, the good intentions part. A million ideas per second. Yes. <laughs> um, and exceptional spatial awareness. <laughs> He's a very good mobile suit pilot. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so the Mossarel will go at number 93. Like a Virgo. Above the Alvaron and below the Enact. Anything else we want to say on this one? We, no, we, I like we this episode a week. lot. This one rolled out really fast, but yeah. it was a good one. Well, we're about to record that. So I think all that's left to say is that It's a Gundam will return in Within the Scattering Light. Carefully, young man. Don't forget me!